Some years ago, I was leading a retreat for clergy at a place called Montreat. I'd never been to Montreat before going there and that time. And I went a day early because I knew once the other guys got there, I would not have much quiet time. I wouldn't have much prayer time. I wouldn't have some of why you go on retreat. I was in charge. So I went a day early. And there was a group there. I cannot at this moment remember the name of the group, but it's a elder hostel. That's what it was. Elder hostel group. We're there at the retreat center, and there were a bunch of people. And because the meals were provided, I went for, when I got there, I went to lunch. That was my first meal at, at the place. And while sitting there and talking to other people that were at the, at the event, one of them said to me, there's a man here who's 103 who's come for this event. And I was incredulous. I said, 103? Where? And they said, well, there he is over there. And they pointed to him. And I, when I finished eating, I went over to the table and I introduced myself. His name was John Sharp. And I said, Mr. Sharp, you don't know me, but they told me at the table over there that you're 103. And he said, well, they told you the truth. And so I said to him, is it all right with you if I sit with you at dinner? And he said, well, I'd be delighted. And so I sat with him at dinner that night, and it was astonishing. Uh, But the thing of things, well, I have to tell you a funny story, and then the, the point of the sermon. The funny thing was I said, how did you get here? He was from Pennsylvania, uh, somewhere up from Pittsburgh, McKeesport. He was from McKeesport, Pennsylvania. I said, well, how'd you get here? And he said, well, I drove. <laughs> this is the, I, this is absolutely, I said, you drove? He said, well, hell, boy, did you think I walked? <laughs> I, sorry, Lord, but I mean, I'm quoting, I'm quoting. And I said, well, no, sir, but I didn't know you could have a driver's license when when you're 103. And he said, the state of Pennsylvania tries to take it away from me every year, but I keep passing. (laughs) I've never forgotten him. Well, when it all ended, here's where breathing comes in. And when it all ended, I was about to leave, and I said, now, I know you must get this all the time. But I said, uh, do you have any tips for me? for a long life. And he said, well, son, I do. And I said, well, what is it? And he said, when you breathe in, no, when you breathe out, breathe in. <laughs> yeah, whenever you breathe out, breathe in. All right. All right. So prayer ought to be for us while we have life, like breathing like breathing. It should be something that begins to be so normal for us that we are really, in a sense, praying at all times. Now, that mystified me when I was a young believer, but it doesn't mystify me now. It's like breathing. To learn to pray like breathing. Now, we have to learn. We have two ears and one mouth, but when we start to pray, most of us forget we have ears. Most of us pray And we tell God all the time everything we want to talk about and everything we want and everything we need. And very few of us, when we begin a journey of faith, learn to recognize that we have two ears for a reason, a mouth and two ears. So we ought to learn to listen twice as much as we speak. 
It's not wrong to speak. God wants the truth out of our hearts. But the reality is when we begin a life of prayer, most of us are only thinking about what we can get if God will just listen to us. Most of us are trying to rearrange the universe for our sake. And, um, you know, some of us are married to people who are going to ask if they can rearrange heaven. Where's my wife? Where's... (laughs) Cynthia never goes in a room that she doesn't start seeing how it could be rearranged. She has a natural gift from God uh, of design and color and so on. But really, most of us, when we pray, are totally self-centered when we begin the journey of learning to pray. But we, we are not to stop at that point. We are not to tell God what he already knows. Do you know, there is nothing I have ever prayed to God that he didn't know before I prayed it. And he knew before I prayed it whether it was a good prayer or a bad prayer, whether it was a prayer that would be answered or wouldn't be answered with a yes or a no or a maybe. Most of my prayers get maybe or not yet. And that's a real answer. You know, but you, you, you know what I'm saying. Most of us pray to get a yes to what we ask for. Correct? It, we place ourselves in the center of the universe when we pray like that. The purpose of prayer, as I've grown to understand it, is that we be brought into alignment with God's will for us. The reason I pray is not to get stuff from God, but that my life would be brought into alignment with God's will for my life. That's the purpose of prayer, to be aligned with God's will for my life. Not my will be done, but thy will be done in me. Not my will on earth, but thy will on earth as it is in heaven. The purpose of our learning to be praying people is that we bring ourselves into alignment with God's will. And our example is Jesus. He only wanted to do what the Father wanted done. He only wanted to will what the Father willed. He only wanted to hear what the Father was saying. He only wanted to obey what God commanded. And he lived intimately and totally in that reality. And thus he could say yes to one and no to another. And thus he could say we will go here and we won't go there. And thus he could say this and not that. And he'll hear and not there. He was totally attuned to God's will because he was God's son. The, the first reading, uh, the Hebrews reading that Michael read with his glorious English Cheshire accent. Cheshire, right? Chesham. That first reading starts with some of the most astonishing words that are contained in the New Testament. Long ago at many times and in many ways, God spoke. God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. Moses, Elijah, every one of them. Contained in the Hebrew Scriptures. God spoke, but now, in these last days, 
He has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created all things, through whom also we have received the grace of God. I find it deeply disturbing how many people in the United States of America pray. I think I said it that way, not meaning to, but I'm going to trust God. I find it disturbing to hear how many Americans pray. And that should wake you up. What in the world does he mean? It says in the, in the pew, latest Pew uh, study of the behaviors of Americans that 80% of Americans pray. But I'm telling you, if 80% of Americans were Christians, it'd be a different nation. If 8% of our country were Christians, I think it would be a different country. How do people pray? Well, I know how I pray. Oh, Lord, don't let me get that ticket. You know, oh, there's a policeman. Please, Lord, please. Yeah. People pray to rocks. People pray to sunsets. People pray to wooden statues. People pray to saints. People to pray to gods in their own image and in their own namings. But a Christian talks to the Son. The Son of God, the appointed heir of all things, through whom everything was created. The Jesus that is our Savior and our Lord is God, and we are to pray to Him. We are to pray to Him and in Him and through Him, and we are to listen for his voice. When did you last hear from Jesus? And know he was speaking to you. You. When did you last hear? And did you obey? Jesus makes very clear that his sheep hear his voice. Can I get a witness, O bearded one? Amen. Amen. And Doug Nyhall sitting over there, seeing if my doctrine has deteriorated since I left. <laughs> the, the ones who belong to the Lord know the Lord's voice. Not the ones who talk at him and try to manipulate him and speak towards him, but those who hear him. And the only way hearing from the Lord is meaningful in the New Testament is and obey. Indeed, the New Testament makes it very clear if you hear and don't obey, you didn't hear the way the New Testament means here, and the Old Testament, and the Psalms. 
To hear from God and not obey is not to have heard. You prove you have an outer ear but not an inner ear. You prove that you, you speak words to God, but your heart's far from Him. You, you obey and live into traditions that men have taught you, but you ignore the commandment of God. Because if the Lord speaks, you have to obey. Or you're not His. Or you're in rebellion. Many of us are there all the time. We all need every week to repent. Some of us need it every day. Some of us need it multiple times in a day. And when we begin the journey, that should be the reality we're learning. Oh, I just, I just broke the Lord's word. I did what God doesn't want. I just, I said that and it wasn't true. I, I did that and it was wrong. And immediately be learning to repent. Oh Lord, I, I ask your forgiveness. I want to not be that way. Now, how do we not be that way? We learn to hear from Him. We learn to hear from the Lord. And there is no way we can do this if we don't know the New Testament. And there is no way that we are ever going to know that if we don't begin with the actual words of Jesus. And that means we have to learn in a daily way to spend time with the Word of God as it is given to us in the Gospels, and we need to pay extra special attention to everything Jesus says. And we need to learn that it is only as we pay attention to what he says, and only as we learn to know when he is speaking, which grows in us as we learn what he has spoken and God has seen fit to have written down, for us in the New Testament. As we grow to understand what he has literally said, we grow in our ability to hear him when he speaks a specific word to us. Because we know it's totally consistent with what has been revealed. And therefore, we know when it is the Lord and not one of those other voices. God knows how many voices there are in your lives and mine that are not God's voice. My, my memory uh, fails me. My, my, my paint job's holding up, but my memory's not holding up. And uh, I, I'm sure I've told this before, but when I asked a great and godly leader of God's people many years ago how he knew the difference between the voice of the Lord and the other voices, I may not be the only one in the room that has more than one voice that, that you know, I get these dialogues going inside sometimes. How do you know if it's the Lord? And he looked at me and he said, that's a really good question. I felt really impressed. I asked a good question. He said, I've preached a hundred messages on that subject in my ministry, and two or three of them were good. And I love, love that. I'll always thank God for John Wimber. But then he looked at me and he said, if you think it's the Lord and you don't obey, you'll never learn to know the difference. If you think it's the Lord... It might be the Lord. You got another voice going there. Eh, it's just you, just this or that. But if you thought it was the Lord, even for a fleeting moment, and you don't obey, even if you make a fool of yourself, you will never learn to know the voice of the Lord. How did we learn to walk? We fell down a lot. How do we learn to hear the Lord? We make a lot of mistakes. But if we're not rooted in his word, 
if we're not rooted in the New Testament revelation, if we're not rooted in what the Gospels explicitly teach us about Jesus, we're going to get off course. Even if we know Him, even if we're saved, even if we love Him, if we don't know His words. Jesus says in John's Gospel, chapter 8, verses 31 and 32, two really, really critical words, verses for us to know and to to mark and to learn and inwardly digest and to live by. This is what he says. If you abide in my word, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. That's the 31st verse. And the 32nd verse is, and you will know the truth. And the truth will set you free. Free from what? Free from the world. Free from your flesh, yourself. And free from the enemy of your souls, the devil. The truth that is in Jesus sets us free from the other voices that want to get us, that want to own us, that want to enslave us, that want to destroy us. But it comes if we abide in his word. My word, Jesus says. That means I have to know what Jesus said. And I have to internalize it so that when all the other voices are happening, I know what's the Lord and what's not the Lord. Not perfectly, but way better. So the more I abide in his word, the more I know the truth that will set me free. And we cannot abide in his word. Abide is a deep meaning. It's got powerful beyond the ability to speak of in multiple sermons. It means living in him. And him and living in us, connected to him like my arm is connected to this body or a limb is connected to the trunk of a tree or a vine is connected to the branch. If we're not abiding, we're withering and dying. But if we are abiding in his word, we are nurtured, we are fed, we are taught, we are corrected, we are, we are illuminated, we are set free to be his sons and his daughters in this dark world and difficult time to bring the light and the truth and the way to others as well as ourselves. It doesn't happen without discipline. It doesn't happen without making a time to be with the Lord. It doesn't happen without having a place that you associate with, I'm doing nothing in this time and this place except seeking the Lord. And it requires a method. I I cannot command or give a, a, a method that will be right for you. But I know this. If you don't have a time, and if you don't have a place, and if you don't have a method, when you intentionally spend time with the Lord and His Word, praying and listening, you cannot grow in Christ. You will die a baby. If you die a Christian, you will die a baby Christian. A time, a place, a method. It takes discipline. One of my dearest friends, dear, dear, beyond words, one of the best things that ever happened to me 
in my life was the day that God introduced me to this friend. And he and I meet with some regularity to talk about all kinds of things. And we always, we, 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 we have hobbies in common, but we always talk about the Lord. And he tells me, how told me one time, of a day in 1988. A day in 1988 when he heard the voice of the Lord for himself in a very unusual way. And the Lord said to him, he was pastor of a sizable church. Uh, Baptist church. And, uh, and, and the Lord said to him, you make appointments with everybody but me. You make appointments with everybody but me. And from that day, he repented and made an appointment with the Lord at the beginning of his day. Now, by some mystery, he can wake up a lot earlier than me. But he gives the Lord an hour at 5.30 every day. And he's been doing that since 1988. And he said, you know, John, for a long time, I thought I was doing Bible study at 5.30. And he said, I discovered as I began to do it that what it was about was meeting with the Lord. Meeting with the Lord. Not, I did my Bible study today, click, checked it off. No, I met with the Lord. I met with the Lord. Well, what did he say? Well, blah, blah, blah. Word, prayer, ears. Lord, I'm coming into your presence. I want to abide in your word. I want to hear your voice. I want to be conformed to your will. When did you last hear from Jesus? When did you last hear from Jesus? And did you obey? Wednesday of the week that's just ended, being an older man, I woke in the middle of the night. And uh, I have learned several things about that. Number one, the first thing that, is a, that I'm aware of is that I'm awake and I hope I can go back to sleep. That's my first thought. Um, I've also learned that if I look at the clock, it's not a good idea to know what time it is. Because sometimes when I do that, it seems like I don't, then it's harder to go to sleep. Well, this particular Wednesday, I happened to look at the clock. And it said 344. That's not a pleasant number for me in the middle of the night. And so I got in bed, and I tried to go back to sleep. And I tried not to roll around too much because I thought Cynthia was sound asleep. And after quietly rolling around for about 20 minutes, she, her voice just came out of the darkness. Can't turn your mind off, huh? <laughs> and, uh, and I said, no. And then I tried to be still, but I, and she went right back to sleep right back to sleep, just like that. And um, then I heard the Lord. The Lord spoke to John Schuler, and he said, would you rather meet with me, or would you like to go back to sleep? Now, I can only say that by faith, but that's what happened inside me. It wasn't my voice. Do you want to meet with me, or do you want to go back to sleep? Well, at this stage in my life, I want to meet with him more than anything. I got up. 402. And I tiptoed out of the bedroom, and I got a cup of coffee going, and I got my Bible, and I sat down in my place. 
And do you know what? Jesus met me for the next three hours. And he had business with me. He had some things for me to know and see and understand and repent of and correct. But it was a sweet and glorious three hours. And at seven, Cynthia said, are you out there? And I said, I'll get the kettle and make you tea. Now that's not to praise John Schuler. It's not to say I'm somebody. It's just to tell you that for 42 years, I've been trying to learn how to hear his voice. I want to be conformed to his will. And I know I cannot be if I don't spend time with him in his word. So if prayer for me has become a very different understanding in the latter part of my journey. I still tell him everything that's on my heart. If I'm concerned for the kids or I'm concerned about this or this has happened or that's happened, I pray every day that he'll heal this eye. Hadn't done it yet. May, may or may not get healed in my lifetime. I'm going to see in heaven. I know that. But you're called to that because you're Christians. And I'm called to it because I'm a Christian. Two ears, one mouth. My sheep know my voice. It's wonderful to be with you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.